सो आई थिंक इट्स अ वेरी वेल लेड आउट पॉलिसी बाय द गवर्नमेंट देर आई थिंक सम थ्री हंड्रेड बिजनेस एक्टिविटीज आइडेंटिफाइड एंड फॉर ईच सर्विस टाइप यू नीड टू टेक अ ट्रेड लाइसेंस एंड typically trade licenses carry about three activities you can carry on three business activities on a trade license so for us uh, for example we were running a fitness center hmm. and we were also running a food business so food needed a different license right and fitness was a different license typically what happens is you get a general trading license hmm. and your core business activity license so that's how you would uh, set it up hmm. and the sales then attributes to the center etc but uh, but one important thing for the fitness business is every fitness center is a retail store right. so it's a branch of your main llc company that you set up so you need to have one registered llc which is your headquarters hmm. and you get allocated x number of visas for that and then every time you add a new store or a new center you have to have a sub license for a trade license for oh, that as well okay for every branch for every branch and then your number of visa allocations depends on on the number of branches you have welcome to another episode of be your own boss on this show we've heard stories of uh, people who have successfully built their businesses uh, people who have taken that step and uh, started their own uh, journey of the entrepreneurial journey and we have also seen stories where people have started their businesses and things didn't work and uh, we learn from them from these stories wh- why things didn't work and what is being done right now to uh, build that runway to take off again we have one such story here today our guest this week is dharmendra mehta popularly known among his friends as uh, dharam and uh, dharam's story is uh, similar to uh, kabul story if you've seen the kabul story on the beer one boss podcast uh, if you haven't uh, just check it out the kabul story is a very very interesting uh, story on the show where um, uh, abdullah uh, gurukal uh, was uh, you know this is the story of abdullah gurukal where he st- uh, started his business it didn't work and then uh, he ha- how he faced those uh, challenges and then how he is uh, you know building up his runway again and uh, we have one such uh, similar story here dharam thank you so much for taking out time and uh, joining us here on the show welcome to the show thank you very much sachin i am deeply inspired by your story and what you are doing to build this community around being a boss while i'm technically not a boss today myself but uh, uh, it's great to be here and thank you very much for finding this gem of a place uh doing a sunrise podcast is one of the best things best feelings i've had so far so thank you for setting this up nah, it's a pleasure, pleasure to talk to you yeah it's it's my pleasure absolutely and uh, talking of the place uh, if you guys can guess the place comment below and uh, let us know where we are sitting right now <laughs> so uh, dharam let's start with your story right from the beginning um so tell us about your parents your your childhood uh, your siblings Right, Sachin. So I was born in a very traditional defense family. My father was a third-generation soldier. My grandfather had the distinction of serving in both World War One and World War Two. Oh, wow! And uh, my father also had a meritorious service record. Uh, my mom was a housemaker, hmm. and I have two siblings, two elder sisters, and so I was the youngest, and I'm still treated as the youngest in the family. The so baby. I have privilege, <laughs> I have privileges of being the baby of the family. And to date, my sisters treat me like uh, I'm still uh, a school-going kid. and i'm very thankful and grateful for that 
Um, so growing up days was all in Mumbai. My father hmm. was very clear that he wanted us to get a stable education environment. So he made sure we went to good schools, convents. Uh, and colleges so i went to st xavier's in mumbai in mm. to do my schooling then i went to khalsa college yeah i studied economics uh, graduated and in my growing up days i was an average student i was mm. in a class of 60 probably around 20 25 ranked uh, but i got an all rounded exposure to you know team sports to dramatics elocution competitions debates so it was a well rounded childhood right so that gave me a lot of and when i look back now i think that was a privileged childhood to be living in mumbai in the 1980s and growing up yeah. i think while you, we didn't have access to a lot of things that we would desire for probably because we were a middle class family but i think that well rounded education really helped yeah. uh, and mumbai makes you uh, very you know street smart right it this does is, uh, it does <laughs> and uh, one place. of the things that my father always said was it is yeah. uh, the responsibility of parents to groom their children yeah. so one part is education but how do you how do you what is etiquette for you how do you behave when you meet people so and they always emphasized on these things right so that again was a big big leap uh, that helped me in my career hmm. in my growing up days and uh, i think once i got out of the graduation cycle is when i got into my post graduation is when i really became serious about things that's when i topped the university and oh, you know wow. so uh, in my management course so that's when things started really uh, changing for me i became very serious with yeah. career profession etc and that's how and uh, growing up did you have aspirations that uh, one day you want to become an entrepreneur or start your own business did you have that honestly no Nothing. because we came from a from a family of service people it was right. i thought it was very natural for people to grow up and join the forces right i didn't make a grade and uh, that's when plan b started okay. and i think that's how it has kind kind of been so, so you also were planning to join the defense uh, yes yeah i think it was i thought it was very natural mm-hmm. but probably um, god had other plans so yeah yeah All right, and uh, so once you finished your masters, you you did your masters in uh, that's MBA, right? Yes, you in foreign trade it? management, right, from Mumbai University. Okay, okay, and, and uh, then what was your next step then? Did you so then I was recruited by Raymond, um, and uh, I joined Raymond as a management trainee. Right. Um, so textile company, I was part of the exports team, and uh, so this was mid nineties, right? When people were looking at India was just opening up, the yeah. economy was opening up, and international trade was a great new space to be in yeah. and that's how i got into that side of things i studied foreign trade went to raymond was there for a, almost 8 9 years and right. that is where my grooming happened on the professional side of things i was right. very fortunate to have worked with a gentleman by the name of mr vk bakshi mm-hmm. he is my mentor to date and uh, i look up to him for advice on every single thing yeah. even on the personal side of things and that's where i realized that is the first time i actually worked with a boss Yeah. And what it meant so while it was a large organization 75 year old company with you know so many SOPs in place but when you are your own boss within that structure yeah. how do you operate and for us Mr Bakshi was the end of it all we were not mm-hmm. working for any other industrialist he was the industrialist for us right because the for us the work started with him and ended with him right so that's where and he took a lot of personal interest in our personal growth right of you know when we travel so i traveled to about 60 countries um, did business development selling uh, fabrics apparel we set up uh, a retail network in the middle east so doing all of that uh, but with the amount of ownership that he exhibited 
we never felt that it was not his company we always thought he was the owner of the company and that's where you know even from a professional mindset perspective it mm. has always set in saying the simple things that make you feel like the owner of the company and yeah. not just be a part of the the entire system but you also have something to contribute at all levels and that's where it all started yeah and and that's the, you know taking ownership of what you do even whether whether you are part of a big organization or small or you're uh, you've just started your own company taking ownership of what your what's within your uh, span of control and uh, yeah that's yeah that's i think a, that's what creates the most impact absolutely and uh, that has been a that has been an integral part of my uh, values at work Mm. and that's really helped me grow so i then so worked with raymond for about 7 8 years mm. um moved then india was again liberalizing in another way uh, retail was becoming very big yeah. and i had ambitions of moving away from exports because it was a highly demanding job you were traveling mm. almost 3 weeks every month and um, so it just became you know uh, it came to a point where you thinking what's next and that's when retail was really booming and i was also in my role working with a lot of international brands who were big retailers you know macy's um and and the sort and marks and spencer yeah. which gave me a lot of insights into how retail really works so that got me interested in saying if this is going to be a boom in india now then it's a good career choice if i had to move away from exports then retail is a good place to go i was fortunate again to get a break uh, right. with future group uh, worked with malls called central yeah. so managed front end operations for them uh, in bangalore and gurgaon Okay. then uh, moved to another concept within the group called brand factory which is a brands for less concept yeah. headed category for them back in bangalore for about 2 to 2 and 1/2 years and that's when the journey again began with online right so we wanted to take brand factory online and yeah. started evaluating how online works etc got deeply interested and that's when flipkart came up with an opportunity saying we are launching the fashion business and we're looking for people mm. to join us and that's how i moved to flipkart and my entire journey within the last decade with the digital business is largely with flipkart and i owe a lot to the organization for the amount of opportunities we got because it was in a growing state yeah we were almost growing every 6 12 months by leaps and bounds but that also meant folks with you know the right attitude and mindset were able to also contribute faster were yeah. growing very fast within the organization yeah so i grew to being uh, to so i started off as head of clothing when we launched fashion then moved to head marketplace um then i moved to being chief of staff for a short while to then managing one part of a logistics business hmm. and uh, that gave me an all-rounded you know understanding of how e-commerce works as a business yeah how digitization really solves problems at scale and uh, that really got me into thinking it changed my perspective to life as well hmm. because this was a very um high performance culture and we all believed in the marine culture right where you know like the us marines you demand the best out of your buddies because yeah. it's a life and death situation so yeah got into the habit of reading there because a lot of our peers and seniors got us to you know read a lot they shared their reading list and that's become a good habit that i've kind of inculcated yeah um come 2018 i had an opportunity to move uh, to dubai Hmm. and i've been here since so uh, i came to dubai with a startup called mums world um okay. which is a mother baby website i right. joined them as ceo um and somewhere in the first year of the journey itself i think we got into this conversation with the founders of curefit uh, saying they were looking at moving to an international market and right. dubai seemed the first choice 
and that's when my entrepreneurial journey really started so while hmm. uh, i was padded soft cushioned into it because the investments were coming from kiofit but it was an entrepreneurial role and i was the founder of the international business right so wow. that's how it started um i we did that until uh, covid stopped everything for us i think yeah. on, in our tracks so um and we'll talk more in detail about this sure. because that's yeah. the relevant part of the conversation yeah, yeah. and uh, post covid after having successfully closed down that business which was an experience i did not vouch for mm. but uh, yes i did spend 6 months shutting down an entire business that yeah. we just started but that's that's also an uh, you know uh, an important part like when shutting down a business it's not easy it's okay. uh, it takes time to yes. so we might just think that you know oh it doesn't work then you know let's just leave no it doesn't happen like that oh it, yeah absolutely takes... absolutely and and i think that's where that and that's made me a more mature human being hmm. so and so when you look at it covid happened to the whole world you fortunate for what you got and you kind of managed to you know stay away from personal harm and stuff but yes. on, on the other side of it um uh, it's made me much more wiser my um, my interaction with people is so much more different mm-hmm. um the one of the challenges always has been that from 1997 to to, to 2020 my career has been on a growth path right trajectory it's the first time that you hit a roadblock yeah. which is taking you into a deep dive situation so when we were building the the business it was it's such a positive feeling Yeah. people want to come with you and there were people and and at that time you have this you you kind of a star rising star yeah and you you kind of at times also tend to take things not so seriously but when you're going down there's nobody with you so they say it's alone at the top but trust me when you're diving down it's even lonelier <laughs> your your shadow also leaves you so yeah. it yeah. is a it is a difficult uh, task but i think Uh, yeah. all said and done it's an experience yeah. and it's as long as you use it in the right way yeah. to channelize your energies further today i'm much more wiser today i i do take decisions not uh, based on you know a lot of things that i would say i could take a higher risk on mm. i now evaluate risk far deeper uh, yeah. and uh, uh, but at the same time i think it's about moving on as well so once you've got all of that together then i think next steps is what mattered You and that's where better, i thought yeah. yeah and that's where i thought it was important for me to get into a stable uh, environment yeah. and start building something again i was again fortunate to start working with lal's group yeah. which is uh, one of the oldest retailers in the region our founder mr lal is very very much into the business himself yeah. and uh, um and his son mr jayant um, is leading the modernization of the organization right so right that's where um, digital business was not existing at that point of time and that's how role was created for me to join hmm. and um, and then that's how the journey has been so over the last 2 2 and a half years i've been helping the group build the e-commerce business wow so le- let's talk about the part where uh, when you moved to dubai uh, for with with mums world and then you got into your entrepreneurial journey right so uh, tell us more about that like how did you get that idea and then the the foreign investment that uh, came in right so i think uh, when i came to dubai i realized um, that uh, it's a very it means very glamorous from the outside but when you're coming to work in it is a, it is a very rigorous space it is highly competitive um, yeah. and but at the same time it has this virtue of you know multinational environment and you know you get really exposed to how things work uh, in that role when i started actually operationalizing our uh, requirements you know of the warehousing being set up 
last my logistics being set up and i started traveling across the city i realized there is so many gaps that we can you know fill in from the right kind of brands and products coming into the region hmm. and my initial thought was because i spent a lot of time in the fashion business and then in a multi brand in the multi brand multi category and internationally and internationally yeah. and uh, in so i understood how electronics is sold differently from how uh, fashion is sold to how groceries need to be sold and right. that became a comp- so i could fit into any role and you know ensure all kinds of businesses can become successful hmm. but uh, i thought there that was an opportunity that i wanted to kind of utilize and say is there potential of bringing an indian brand to the region and helping it expand and that's where the conversation started and we said um, uh, you know one on one with ankit nagori who's the co-founder at kiofert he was my boss at uh, flipkart and we spoke and you know we said uh, you know uh, i i am interested deeply in you know starting something up and i think that bringing brands to the region is still an opportunity while there is a lot of that work happening Hmm. but i'd like to start out start down that journey right. and uh, two weeks later we spoke and he said if you want to do it why don't we do it together so hmm. uh, we become your investors and you start and uh, that's how the whole journey started and okay. um, the first 3 4 5 months was all about finding out what's happening uh, in the market what's competition yeah. like who are the people you'll work with so that's where my entrepreneurial journey started and it yeah taught me that uh, there is a glamorized side of being your own boss but <laughs> but it's a very very difficult task yeah um and especially being the first person in the in the market you know meeting uh, folks uh, understanding what can go wrong with your business yeah and kind of you know trying to keep yourself um, you know uh, in in a way um keep yourself away from any of these uh, problems that occur right so yeah yeah so and in your collaboration with curefit uh, you decided that you're going to start it here uh, so was there any discussion about the name or how you want to launch it did you register the company here on your own by your uh, yes yeah, so it was registered here it was okay. not registered in my name because it was a company so right. it was but i was the signatory on all the paperwork got it um and so uh, so the entire understanding of it right so the groundwork of Hmm. uh what does it take to start a company you right. need to have a local partner what's the difference between being on a free zone does your trade license permit you to do certain kind of activities or yeah. not so understanding all of those uh who is the right partner to go with so hmm. we made those decisions based on you know uh did a lot of market research understood what works right. um is it easier to go with a person with a, a single person as your partner or do you want to take a corporate board that works with you so made those choices and we said it's better to go with a company that kind of you know de-risks you completely mm. and becomes more like um, like a silent partner in the relationship right and you have to complete control of on your daily operations right. but at the same time if something goes wrong they're always there to back you up got so it. that's why we found a great partnership with a company we were able to so there were these days when i would ping them at 5 am and they would respond to me Wow. saying um, and then that and that became when you share values yeah. it becomes easier to work with those people and uh, that's where we then you know started collaborating and it was a great story because curefit in india was like uh, 300 fitness centers yeah. and growing and when you came here and you shared those numbers people didn't believe you hmm. so when we took them back showed them you know this is what we are building and this is how it's going to be they came back so much more excited Mm. and uh, that so that was of course there was a 
power of the brand that I was working on, yeah. uh, that we were bringing to the region, and uh, that gave me a lot more strength. Saying you know it's not we're not starting just from scratch, but there's already a something that works. Uh, it's met. It's uh, it's due diligence is done. Yeah, and then it's there's, a safer there's bed. There's proof of concept. There's there proof is, of concept. Yeah, right. and there is there, yeah, and uh, when when you were registering your company here and you know uh, uh, with, with CureFit and uh, setting up things here, uh, what were the like? You know, you you mentioned about like you know you make you make different uh, you make choices based on how you want to register your company for uh, uh, this one. So, uh, and I'm asking this on behalf of uh, the the listeners who would like to start their business um, in you know in let's say in this particular um, industry. Okay, and if their market is all of uh, uae uh, they want to target all of uae okay what's the right uh, kind of setup or what's the right kind of company to register for uh, so i think it's a very well laid out policy by the government it's mm. uh, uh, it's uh, there are i think some 300 business activities that are identified right. and for each identity and for each uh, service type you need to take a trade license and typically trade licenses carry about three activities you can carry on three business activities on a trade license so for us uh, if, for example we were running a fitness center mm. and we were also running a food business and we, we because we had cafes within the within the fitness center plus we do, were doing an a uh, proof of concept for uh, fast, quick delivery of food right right um, plus uh, so you had but so food needed a different license right and fitness was a different license so yeah. so that's how you kind of came up with it it's very well defined you can uh, and what about the sale within uh, like in fitness centers you have uh, you have a little bit of you know uh, apparels and a little bit of accessory sales that happens so does that require us does that con- is that considered as a separate activity as well yes it is yeah. so you need to then register that as a separate activity right and so so basically what typically what happens is you get a general trading license Mm-hmm. and your core business activity license cool. so that's how you would uh, set it up mm-hmm. and the sales then attributes to the center etc cool. but uh, but one important thing for the fitness business is every fitness center is a retail store right. so it's a branch of your main llc company that you set up so you need to have one registered llc which is your headquarters mm-hmm. and you get allocated x number of visas for that and then every time you add a new store or a new center you have to have a sub license for a trade license for oh, that as well okay for every branch for every branch and then your number of visa allocations depends on on the number of branches you have got it got it and uh, what's the government authority like you know do, do uh, what's that one uh, uh, government department that uh, one can go to to get information about all this uh, from a setup perspective yeah. i think dd so you can go DED. to dubai economic right. department you yeah. get all the information there there are a lot of dd cafes uh, yeah. spread across dubai and yeah. very easy access i think um the ease of doing business it's not just on paper but i think it is it really exists yeah um going to those uh, places getting information is very easy a lot of it is online already and uh, uh, as long as your paperwork is clear Mm. things things are very very smooth yeah so 
the the point is in dubai um if if you want to start a business the the first thing to do is be very clear about the activities that you're going to do under your business and based on that you go to dd and they'll guide you on the right kind of uh, trade licenses to take and if you plan to have multiple branches then each branch would also need a sub license uh, that's right Yeah, that's right. And let's talk about the 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 recruitment process. How was that for you when you started here in uh, Dubai? I think that was the game changing thing for me because yeah. we were in this entire process saying, uh, if you want to build a successful company, then it's very important for you to work with top talent. Yeah. And I interviewed about three hundred people, and we recruited twelve. Wow. So it was. you wanted the top so and the other thing was you have to fit the role and the person together and we were very clear that we will not compromise on uh, on anybody who does not meet you know aptitude attitude analysis and we were very very strict with you know we never made a compromise on uh, only the right candidate so until the right candidate came i would hold fort for that role right so if till the time we did not get the right quality uh, specialist i would hold quality control as my personal uh, objective along with what else was happening mm. till the time we didn't find the right marketing person i would hold marketing the fort on marketing finance all of it yeah. and then as slowly we started getting more people in uh, i started giving up those activities to the right people because they were more i could understand the width of it but i could not deeply solve those problems yeah. and then once we got a specialist then we handed over the role to those yeah. people So, as an entrepreneur, you have the you you kind of have that uh, T model of knowledge. You have the wide range of uh, you know you 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 know a wide range of things, and then you have deep knowledge about one or two things. But then uh, for the others, you need to find the right people who have the depth of knowledge in that. Uh, yes, and that is one place where I've learned over a period of time, uh, probably the hard way as well. You should never compromise on talent. Get the right person for the right role. Yeah, and they will deliver. i think uh, and then once you have uh, people who are satisfied with their own work because that's their expertise then they contribute so much more to the team yeah. right? and and that's a very very important task i think a lot of times we tend to you know uh, say we compromise on the kind of talent we hire but in the long run it doesn't help you so your approach while recruiting was to find the people who would love to do this kind of job and find job satisfaction in that because yes. that it it matches their skill sets and uh, yes exactly and, and i think there is a lot of smart young kids yeah. who come out of college with bright ideas and they're just looking for this right opportunity and yeah. if you're able to kind of help them with it uh, it works both ways so they bring a lot of new fresh ideas hmm. uh, they like an experience but you make up by you know working with them very closely but at the same time uh, you also need a mix of slightly experienced people who will yeah. who can take some load off your shoulders right so yeah so you made sure that in your uh, re- you know in your recruitment process you made sure that you have the different kind of um, uh, you know diversity and inclusion right so you different age groups different ethnicities and uh, so you bring in the right mix of uh, people with the right talents Uh, that's that's tough by the way right yes it's, it is a, yeah. it is i think uh, finding the right people is very yeah. very uh, yeah. difficult as a task as well yeah but uh, the good part of it is when you are you have a very transparent approach to things then yeah. it it becomes easier um yeah. 
in your assessment of people when you ask them more like we speak like you said and this is something that even you believe in right where you know the story of the person yeah. the person becomes your friend Absolutely. and then it's easier to work and that's where the recruitment process also such that you actually go through layers understand people better and then you know get into a working relationship got it so, and let's talk about the uh, the time when things got tough when uh, when covid hit right so how did things change at that time uh, i think it was just so sudden while you know we all thought that we knew that you know uh, nobody was ready for it mm-hmm. and uh, every day was a different conversation right so mm-hmm. 3 months before i mean sometime in november 2019 we were talking about you know expansion plans to saudi we had launched about 10 centers in dubai we were looking at expanding to abu dhabi sharjah and then expanding to the gcc and you know we made trips to understand the market etc and suddenly that conversation moved to it's yeah. not working i mean it's not going to work because we're just going to shut down now Hmm. and uh, there was panic so you know from conversation saying uh, it's okay don't worry uh, it's a temporary shutdown to actually lockdown yeah and then going through that phase every morning you woke up thinking is going to get better and then it only became worse by the end of the day those conversations were very difficult hmm. the decision of um, of you know it's highly debated internally hmm. but uh, then we were clear that you know whatever had not met product market fit uh were were uh, project that we would close and actually invest in projects where there was still more uh, you know chances of or opportunity to grow right. and which is fair uh and from an from a real burn perspective there was a lot of uh, exposure in the dubai business because we had long term leases with with landlords we yeah. had uh, and this was uh, all said and done this was outside of uh of the core country of operation right so right. um uh, it was from start to end it was a 19 month operation hmm. uh in but at the same time we had almost close to 100 people working with us trainers center managers sales people uh that journey was difficult but then again what helped was from the beginning we were very transparent with people on how how are things going what's going to happen what are your career progression paths yeah and what could be possible failure points yeah and that's where we always spoke about saying if it does not meet these targets then we will not be able to grow so it was always known to this team yeah they were aware of it but of course nobody was prepared for 2020 and that one conversation one fine morning saying let's you know close it down yeah and then relaying that in a lockdown situation to people sitting at home yeah uh communicating to them uh and then identifying there are some people who probably need to be with you for slightly longer because they have uh specific roles to complete uh versus a lot of the other people who would just have to kind of you know yeah, go home you have but to let them go, yeah. but uh, but at the same time we did our best to make sure that you know we covered them for as long as possible from a monetary perspective from mm. a visa perspective um and uh eventually then we had to go back to our partners right and tell them that we are closing down yeah i think um, one of our biggest allies in that time was uh, there's a mall called palm strip in lamer and um, uh, the land the landlords are from the royal family day one of covid they sent us an email saying don't worry there's lockdown we will not charge you rent for the next 45 days wow uh, we'll talk about it once things reopen and even when we decided to close down they just told us uh send us, prove to us that you're shutting down your business right. completely yeah um uh, and we will not charge you any exit clauses etc so it was very very kind of them 
Yeah. But with most others, which are private businesses, we really struggled. Uh, there were a lot of helpful people, but mm. everything around you was collapsing. Yeah. So I realized I was sitting at a landlord's office and trying to push my case, saying, you know, I need to exit. Can you help me out? She said, you know, there are hundred other people like you who are sitting here. Exactly. So yeah. It was uh, it was those moments of you know realizing the the scale of that uh, mammoth destruction that was happening. Yeah. Um, and at that point of time, there was this entire scare about you know what's going to happen to Dubai, hmm. and people would say you know it's um, it, it's going to take much longer to recover. But look yeah. at the fantastic recovery and absolutely you know, how it's it's yeah. really scaled up from there. Yeah. I mean, the the worry was everywhere because nobody knew what's how long this is going to last, and uh, so there was uh, there was uh, you know a lot of anxiety, and because of that, then um, lots of decisions were made. Let's talk about the 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 process of uh, shutting down a business and the costs that are involved in it, right? So, if you were to quantify that cost, uh, considering the amount of for example like hypothetically let's just take you know, let's not let's not talk, get into actual numbers here sure. but um, uh, if we like the, the amount that is required to start a business versus the amount that is required to close a business what's that proportion like i think it's a very good question now it's so uh, if you split the cost of starting a business between capex and operational expenses hmm. I think you'd probably recover your capex depending on the business that you're in anywhere between three to seven years. But the cost of closing that business is when the capex really hits you hard mm-hmm. because you've, and that's what happened with us. We invested in opening centers uh, and our capex investments went in completely, but operational efficiencies had not yet built in. So most of the centers opened in the second half of 2019 hmm. and in the first half of 2020 you had to close them right so you never got a chance to recover anything out of your capex for sure and yeah. you also had spent money on operationally scaling up your business right so you were making investments on marketing on people on training etc yeah. so um, so that's where it it kind of becomes disproportionate but if you look at it from a from an overall perspective your capex is completely gone plus yeah. you have exposures to long-term partnerships, right? So right. you have rentals to pay where you are in. And that's where these contracts become really crucial to go through in detail, understand what it means, what your exit clauses are. Yeah. Uh, how fair are those? So yeah. there are times when, uh, you know, they become like, because it's also dependent on the market situation. At yeah. times you get one-sided clauses and you may want to think that it's a, it's a difficult one right now, but in the long run, it may work for you. And sometimes... It may be a very diff- it may be a very easy clause at that point of time, but it becomes a challenge to come out of it. So I think if you were so when we were closing down, we saw our exposure was to customers, right? Because we they had membership plans and you had to refund them. Right. Uh, there were landlords who needed to be paid extended uh, rental terms beyond your operational days, and uh, there was uh, staff for whom you had to kind of cover them for extended periods. Be right. fair with them, right? Yeah. So those were the associated costs directly. Hmm. However, there is a lot of closing fees, etc., which you need to also then play, pay. Hmm. We chose the voluntary liquidation route, which is where okay. we went and uh, advised the government that you know we are no longer in a position to run the business and therefore we are shutting down. Within that, you have to actually prove that you've paid out to all your stakeholders, hmm. whoever had to be. So employees, uh, landlords, any suppliers. Yeah. Uh, you have to kind of pay them, get their 
confirmations over contracts or emails yeah and then submit all of that paperwork to the government and then it goes through a closure process got it so one important part that i want to reiterate what you just said is that uh, the exit clauses are important so before getting into a contract one must be very uh, careful about the kind of exit clauses that are mentioned in the contract and make sure that they it's fair Yes. there is always there there will always be some exit uh, expenses involved here like exit costs or exit fees uh, penalties involved but uh, just make sure that it's not uh, you know uh, uh, outrageous yes it has to be and i think there you your due diligence and the amount of time you spend on each of those yeah. is very very important yeah so be careful getting into a contract and uh, and i want to kind of ask you like uh for the listeners for the audience uh what would be your advice considering all the learnings that you've had in the, you know in the uh, in your entire journey right what would be your advice for the people who are just getting uh started or want to get started in their entrepreneurial journey right now i think few points one is very important to understand what is the problem you're solving because uh, i keep saying this we are in the 21st century most problems in the world have been solved so there is nothing new that you're going to bring in however if you understand properly what differentiated offering are you bringing to a consumer then you need to also be able to translate it in a single sentence to the to the buyer of your services or goods right so it's very important to have that written down completely visualized and communicated as often as possible um second i think it's important to understand what are the thousand problems that you're going to it actually you need to list down 1000 line items and say what are the possible problems i could get into and how am i going to de-risk myself against each of those um and what could and what could potentially go wrong right so you and when you look at it superficially you think this could go wrong that but then you start going deeper so for example in the fitness business hmm. somebody could have a heart attack in the in the fitness center yeah. right how prepared are you how are your trainers trained to you know uh, handle, a handle the situation like yeah. that and that needs a lot of rigor training and with by god's grace these situations don't arise but you need to be prepared absolutely so the yeah. the more you train your people the better you are you know in any of such situations and uh, i think finally the talent pool is very very important yeah. do not compromise on talent a lot of us being good human beings try to help uh, people out yeah. but i have realized that despite your best intentions if you have the wrong person in fitting into a role you don't succeed yeah yeah so uh, and uh, in the recruitment part it is important not to fall into the trap of oh this guy needs a job let me try and fit him in here uh, that's the, yeah because I, i also realized yeah. that when you have the wrong person in the role then it's better for them also to move to a role that they would be able to do justice to yeah and uh, and that's where you uh, in high performance organizations you always have this churn of people right uh, but i think it's it's a part of the evolution and yeah. you'd rather have a person be in a better place uh, yeah. doing better things that suit them more yeah and uh, sometimes you have to have hard conversations with people yeah. around those true dharam when you look at your journey from the young boy who was treated as the baby well still is still, still <laughs> in, the, in the family but uh, to the the experienced uh, entrepreneur and uh, you know the, the experienced uh, person that you've become now 
who would you like to give the credit to for your success i think uh, firstly to both my parents uh, because uh, they gave us such a balanced childhood my father was a regimentalized strict disciplinarian uh, you know straight talk soldier hmm. and my mom on the other side was a very soft spoken um, you know uh, and very comforting uh, human being right so they gave us both sides of you know i was very scared of my father but at the same time loved my mother yeah. intensely and that gave me a very very well rounded um, side uh, i think my sisters because they've been my mentors uh, and a lot of credit goes to my wife shweta because she's been she was a hotelier who gave up her career to take care of the family and i really respect that uh, and she's been very supportive but from a from a career growth perspective i think i spoke of mr bakshi who was yeah. my mentor i think ankit nagori has been a very big influence on my life uh, yeah. he's much younger to me but i've learned so much from him and I, even today when i have problems i look up yeah. to him for solutions and uh, i've been fortunate to have worked with uh, leaders like these who've helped me you know who've helped me grow yeah um, but Uh, but i think it's also a lot of it has come from the people i've worked with right the teams that i've been fortunate to be part of um like in future group at central i used to manage a mall of 400 people yeah but each one of those uh, was was a joy to work with right all of those yeah. people i've learned so much from them as well right? even my yeah. current role i work with a team of youngsters who i learn from every day yeah and uh, and i think it's a mutual uh respect situation right where you yeah. build something together and then the bond lasts forever so brilliant brilliant so dharam uh without revealing any secrets about your future plans what can you tell us about like how you're preparing your runway to take off again as an entrepreneur uh to be honest it's not a thought through plan yet it's okay. always on your mind and it's is it's a bug that's always there it's like everyone in india wants to be an actor or a cricketer <laughs> and uh, and and now also an entrepreneur given all that the way the landscape has changed from a startup uh, yeah. perspective but at the same time there are a few ideas that are always in my mind i'm very committed to you know in the long run building something to give back to society uh, i think it's going to be very important to kind of you know uh, uh, figure something out which at a uh, at a non profit level will change the world i think the mental well being space is one of those that i'm constantly thinking about because when i went through 2020 i realized the importance of mental well being over you know probably physical health at that point of time but uh, but that's one and uh, i keep talking about it i keep reading uh, keep uh, discussing these ideas it's not firmed up in my mind yeah but it's still a few years away and um, Uh, in the meanwhile i'm yeah. very happy with you know what i'm doing because again this is an opportunity to build something from scratch yeah. uh, and it gives me a lot of uh, you know at the end of the day i feel very satisfied with progress that we are making and you know the impact you're able to create in an organization really helps so i i love the way you you've put it that you i mean this is your uh, at at the core you want to be very careful about and you you want to be mindful about the impact that you're creating in the world right and this yes. is this, this is the primary thing that uh, that's all yes. your mind i think uh, purpose is very very important the purpose your uh, if your purpose is to you know uh, to create a meaningful 
experiences for people then you have to be completely committed to it Absolutely. and the difference comes only when you create impact i was yeah. last week i was sharing with a colleague of mine from a previous company mm. and he was struggling with a few things and i was telling him if you don't create impact it gives a bad name to all of us people can say you know he was doing well in that company why is he not working well yeah. but that you have to bring that impact make the change and then everything around you will will yeah. look more positive yeah I I wish you all the best for for the future uh, Dharam. Um how has your experience been on the Beer on Bus podcast? Amazing Sachin. I think from the time you called me, yeah. uh, I have had such a great uh, conversation. I started following you, started following your morning uh, updates on the group uh, talking about it. And uh, uh, I think you really inspired me and uh, when you called me the first time I was not even sure I could talk to you because I I was saying I'm not even my own boss technically so but uh, but this power of stories that you told me about you know that for centuries people have learned from each other's stories and if this can help anyone in any small way I yeah. think that will be a great uh, outcome for me personally but just coming out here this morning sharing the sunrise with you uh, in a beautiful location I think no better way to you know uh, refocus and come back onto doing something that you really want to do so thank you very much thank for encouraging you. me thank you so much and uh, i i enjoyed this conversation it was a wonderful very insightful conversation thank you so much for sharing your journey and those nuggets of wisdom with us thank you very much sachin I wish you all the very best i'll keep following your work and um, i please continue doing what you're doing uh, i completely uh, i mean i'm at a loss of words to actually express myself which is very rare but <laughs> but thank you very much uh, for a great morning today my pleasure so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls that's dharmendra mehta dharam and uh, you've been watching and listening to be your own boss <laughs>